and welcome to the one-year anniversary of The Other Six Podcast. My name is Chad Boak, and I am your host. Joining me once again in the studio, my co-host and author of the song, Let's Party Till You're Balloon in the Face, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. Mr. Matt Collins. Matt, how are you today, sir? Hey! <laughs> and also joining us today for the one-year anniversary, our lead pastor, Adam Bishop. Adam, how are you? I'm just excited. we got a bunch of toys we get to play with today. So- <laughs> Smells like gun smoke in here. Yeah, Did y'all ever have those little cap guns when you were a kid? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah that's what that smells like. These are kind of good smell. These Don't are kind of point that, that my yeah, head. Yeah, right, yeah. That, so yeah. it, I thought you lit these on fire. No, you <laughs> pulled a little string in it. Yeah, see if we had some matches. <laughs> yeah, good no. thing I didn't light it on fire. Right, absolutely. Powder in that thing. But it's exciting because there we go. It's the one year anniversary episode number fifty two, gentlemen. Can yeah, I was just believe? thinking if people are joining us for the first time, like, like, what? It always starts. <laughs> right. No, today it's we're birthday. celebrating. Yeah, it's, it's a little special today. It's our one-year anniversary. 52 weeks, 52 episodes of the Other one Six year. Podcast. Can you guys yeah. believe that? One year ago today, we started <laughs> well, At least this. we didn't decorate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went to Party City last night, and I was like, what do you have in the discount bin? And wow. uh, this they, is what they gave me, so it's exciting. Happy. You know yeah. my, what I'm very thing. excited about right now is not only are we wearing the birthday party hat, uh-huh. but Jonathan, who's not even on camera, is also wearing the birthday hat. Jonathan, yeah. we really appreciate that. So they don't make noise, and I was sad about that. Okay, well these do. Right yeah, here. these yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that sounds awesome in the microphone. <laughs> so before we get into everything today, I'm, I want to ask you guys what your favorite birthday memory is, and I'll go first to give you guys kind of time to think. My favorite birthday memory, my eighth birthday, we went to one of the old school like Pizza Hut you know, buffets for the party there. And I just remember like getting in the special room and they brought pizza and you could go get more pizza and you had the big red cup, you know, and it was like by far like my favorite birthday that I've ever had. Very underrated dining experience. Absolutely. (laughs) That was the best when you did that back in the day. Yeah, especially like in 1992. Do they still do that at Pizza Hut's? Is Pizza Hut still a thing? I don't even know. Yeah, man. Do we I, have a Pizza Hut here? I don't know if they have Pizza Hut here. I know you can order a pizza. Yeah. They'll bring it to your house. Yeah. But like what you're describing, we get to drink out the big red cups <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and go to the buffet. <laughs> so here, I, I don't know if they do that anymore. Here's what we do. We do just go find, we go know, find drink. a Pizza oh, yeah. Hut yeah. in a yeah. random strip mall. We'll go to the Pizza Hut there and just set up a party in their lobby and it'll be great. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> yeah. that's safe. Yeah, that, that'll be great. Well, how about you guys? Adam, do you know your birthday favorite one? Yeah. Well, mine is the day after Christmas. So, oh, yeah. That's you yeah. get you get like one day of presents. One day of yeah, presents yeah. all together. No, go. but our, we were living in Colorado Springs, and so it snowed. Um, you know, we had Christmas, okay. and then we had my birthday. So, it was do you remember really... what? How old you were? Like what? I was you... in third grade. Okay, yeah, it's third or fourth old. grade. Yeah. Nine or ten years old. Yeah, yeah. So it was pretty cool. So yeah. did you always get the combined like one big present, or uh, was it like multiple presents? Like what was yeah, it? Yeah, it was a, it was combined. Some of yeah. some of them were were they're like one big present. Right. So I was like, cool. By the way, I'm loving the hat section here. Like <laughs> yes. the hat with the hat, hat on a hat. Yeah, absolutely, good look. <laughs> yeah. All right, Adam. So yeah, mine's not from my childhood. Actually, when I turned 28 years old, the first grand child in our family was born. So my sister and her husband had Carson on my birthday. Oh, wow. So Carson's now 15. So for the last 15 years, Carson and I have celebrated the same birthday every year. Oh, yeah. And he's now the oldest of nine grandkids. Okay. So nice. that was kind of cool uh, for him to be born on my birthday all those years ago. And each year, it's kind of a fun thing. When he was little, mm-hmm. you know, we would be at, like Chuck E. Cheese together, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, which right. I enjoyed <laughs> all the video games and everything. Probably so wearing now his like next this. birthday, he's going to be 16. We probably won't be at Chuck E. Cheese, yeah. but he's a great kid. <laughs> Great nephew. And so, yeah, that's kind of my favorite birthday memory is 
um, seeing our family expand on my birthday. That was cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, and, and one thing I want to say before we jump into the podcast today, you know, I, I really appreciate everybody that's tuned in over the last year. I mean, this wouldn't happen uh, if folks weren't so encouraging. And uh, I mean, thank you guys for, for listening for a year now. A year. You guys can believe Listen that. Listen to us so for a year. It's Boy, just insane. That's a crown in heaven awaiting us. Because we started this, we were like, maybe we'll do it for maybe. a teaching series yeah, yeah. or two. We weren't really sure. Yeah. yeah. But we did get some good feedback. And um, we do hope it has actually helped people right. in their walk with the That's Lord right. the other yeah. six days of the week. But yeah, yeah, without that encouragement and without that, hey, y'all keep it up. We probably would have retired this thing a long time yeah, ago. Right. So, <laughs> but if it's actually helping people, that's yeah. motivation for us to keep doing right. it. And we enjoy it. Yeah, yeah we, we, I like getting to sit on the I mean, when guys, people yeah. tell me, like, I really like the podcast, and that's good to yeah, hear because we, we certainly have a good time. <laughs> Absolutely. We're hoping it Clearly, benefits others. Clearly, we have a good time. Yeah, are we going to work? Are we going to oh, wear these hats the whole time? Probably They're not. A we should. Uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, we can. We can go ahead and kind of take those off if right. you want to. You got to be careful. We, we you don't pop your neck with that string. Yeah, so. that that can that can probably hurt. Jonathan, you can take yours off too. No, so. Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan's in his own world over there. He's, he's having a good yeah. time. I think out we there. think this is being recorded. It's like oh wait, it's a coin flip every week, right? No, not usually. He's usually on top of things. We threw a lot of stuff to distract him today. This is true. Yeah, ear horns and hats and all kinds of stuff. Anyway. Well, yeah, so let's, I guess let's jump in. You know, we've been, uh, we were in week two of our series talking about Ready or Not and uh, the life of Joshua. And, uh, and we're going to, we're going to absolutely do this podcast today with all of this stuff around here. We're very excited about you know it. How many ADD people are in this room? And I've got these in front of me. <laughs> me and Adam are over here like this passing notes. A, this is going to be a train wreck. All right. Sorry. Oh, it's Go gonna ahead. It's going to be great. It's going right, to be great. Keep us focused, Chad. Uh, so, but, Good but job. Before we jump into everything from the message yesterday, we, we kind of got to see some baptisms yesterday here at Vaughn Forest Church. And I really, you know, quick want to talk about why we get so excited about baptism here at Vaughn Forest Church. Yeah, it's a celebration. It's how you yeah. go public with your faith. It's how you tell everybody you've become a follower of Jesus. And we think that's a really big deal. Yeah. Uh, we think that that's a, a, something someone should, you know, look back on with fondness. You know, the, the best comparison I make to baptism is a lot like a wedding band. You know, if you want to get married, you can't just go buy one of these and put it on your finger right. and say, hey, I'm married. <laughs> right. And um, if you take this off, it doesn't mean you're not married anymore. Right. It's, it's symbolic. It shows yeah. people something's happened. And so we, we can see that weddings are celebrations. We understand that. And so baptism is a celebration as well. And so anytime somebody gets baptized at our church, like we cheer, we're super excited for them. And uh, yesterday was pretty cool because we had three people who were already scheduled to be baptized. And then we had two individuals, one in each service, who made the decision at the end of the service to go ahead and get baptized. Oh, that's mm-hmm. awesome. So it kind of challenged them at the end, hey, if you've never taken that step. And it was really cool to see two people who, when they woke up Sunday morning, they didn't think they were going to get baptized. <laughs> and when they went to bed Sunday night, they'd gotten baptized. That's awesome, yeah. So yeah. kind of a fun, unique celebration for them. Yeah. So we talked about Jericho yesterday, yeah. which yeah. is a really cool story. Um, you said that there's a lot of evidence for it. Yeah. Um, and then you, I think you even said that there's like a YouTube link that we're going to send out. Yeah, we're going to email um, that out to everybody who asked for it. Is there uh, is there any more examples that we have of that of the of, of Jericho? The Jericho the, yeah, I mean the whole the whole story, the way that it's given in the Bible, the the evidence that has been dug up literally matches it to yeah. the nth degree. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Sure. One, when you read the <clears throat> biblical account, it says that when the walls fall, the army will go up into the city. Mm-hmm. Well, the way the walls fell, when you watch this video, you can see that it literally created a natural ramp. Oh, that wow. The army was literally able to go up into, because even yeah. after the wall has fallen, how do you get over it? Yeah. Well, yeah. the way it fell, it literally there was one wall that came down upon another one 
And when that happened, it created a ramp. And you can see it. Like the yeah, archaeological so cool. dig reveals <laughs> yeah. the ramp. You could yeah. walk up it, walk up this ramp. Yeah. Another thing it says is, you know, God had commanded them, don't take anything from the city. Mm-hmm. Burn burn it all. Yeah. So what they have found are pots of grain. And you'll remember when we talked about the Jordan River, it was at its flood stage. That yeah. happens during harvest. The passage literally yeah. says in harvest. So they had lots of pots full of grain because it had been during harvest. And all of those pots, when they dig them up, like you lift the lid off and there's the burnt grain. Yeah. So grain in that time period is the equivalent of money. Like you don't burn grain. You don't burn money. Well, it's evidence that they did exactly what God told them to do. They burned the city and this has been preserved for all these years to where they're finding these pots and they're full of grain and they're everywhere. It's not like a couple. It's like like the entire city because that's what God had asked them to do. So there's just, you know, evidence after evidence. And what it really comes down to is pottery. So okay. there are people who their entire life has been devoted to dating pottery from hundreds and hundreds of years ago. So if you think I have a unique calling on my life, <laughs> pottery. I dare you to beat pottery, you know, not okay. making pottery, yeah. but dating pottery. Dating it. But it's a great reminder that it doesn't matter what you do with your life. God can use you in some pretty significant ways. Right. So this archaeologist that's on the YouTube video, he's a, he's a believer. He loves mm-hmm. Jesus, and he's given his life to this. And because of that, we now have this great evidence from a, you know, it's not like us, like right. we showed up, like, yeah, 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 that looks about right. <laughs> yeah. Like from someone who right. actually understands what, they're doing. what they're doing yeah. and they yeah. can date pottery. And from this, they're then able to say, yeah, this, this happened exactly when the account in God's word says it happened. Because here's what's interesting. When you get further into the Old Testament, when uh, Solomon becomes king, there's a verse that literally dates when he is king from the date that Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt. It gives us a year. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're able to create a, chronolo- a chron- chronology of the Old Testament from these verses, and you put it together, and you do the math, and you're like, that's exactly when this would have happened. Wow. Yeah. So it's one of the stories in the so Bible cool. that we do have the greatest archaeological <laughs> evidence for. And um, the more you study it, the more you're like, I don't know how anybody could look at this and not think this didn't yeah. happen. Yeah. It's just that obvious. That's, That's really, really so cool. cool, man. Yeah, I'll have to check out that video link. When I heard YouTube link, I was like, it's just going to be Matt singing Joshua Fought the Battle of Jericho. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah, there's yeah. a song called uh, Jericho. We had a few oh, yeah? folks ask yeah. us about that yesterday yeah. if we were going to sing that. <laughs> yeah. for instance, no. as, as the response <laughs> song. <Yeah. laughs> Back in the day, VBS Sunday School songs, That's right. right? Yeah, That's right. yeah, man. Let's so, bring it out. So I love, I love this evidence. I love this wealth of evidence that we can see that backs up and corroborates, you know, the biblical account. But I guess my question is, you know, for us today as believers, are we supposed to look for this kind of evidence or are we just supposed to have faith alone? I mean, Jesus said in John 20, 29, you know, blessed are those who have not seen yet still believe. So is seeking out this evidence a, a good thing or a bad thing or help me understand that? Yeah. And Jesus is referencing himself there. Okay. So blessed are those who you haven't seen me, like Thomas, like you're seeing right. me right now. You're, you know, I'm showing you the scars. Right. So you're seeing and you're believing, but blessed are those who like, they're not getting this experience right now with me, literally in the room with them, and they're still choosing to believe. Gotcha. So he's referencing himself there. Okay. So I would say it's a both and, like faith matters, but we should look for as much evidence as possible. I think that people who devote their lives to this are doing the the kingdom a great service, the Christian community a great service. I mean, we could talk about the the Qumran scrolls, you know, more commonly referred to as the Dead Sea Scrolls. And we could talk about all these archaeologists that are over in the Middle East and they're doing all these digs and and they're finding all of these things. And there's there's a couple of reasons primarily I think that matters, okay? Mm-hmm. First of all, I think it matters for Christ followers. I think that we need to be reminded that our faith <laughs> is founded in fact. There's a point okay. in everybody's life where they wonder, did somebody dupe me? 
was grandmama lying to me? Like, is my <laughs> faith my faith or is it my parents' faith? Right. Was yeah, I yeah. being just drugged to church and being fed a bunch of, you know, garbage or is this stuff real? Everybody reaches that point. Now, here's what's very interesting about today's world. We used to say when I was growing up a very long time ago that for most people, they reached that point when they went off to college. Now, by the time I started student ministry, we were saying it was when they were kind of in their teenage years. Now it's when they're 10. Mm. So we've got 10-year-olds who are wondering, parents, what you're dragging me to church to hear every week, did this really happen? Is this real? They they are critically thinking, and I'm not talking about being critical, like a criticism, like Mm -hmm. critical thinking skills. That's a good thing to have. They're doing that earlier and earlier. So everybody reaches that point in their life. I would suggest that kids are reaching that point in life much sooner than previous generations have. So the primary reason that these things matter is for Christians, when you reach that point, you need to know that you're standing on a firm foundation. This wasn't just something somebody made up. Like there's more evidence for what we say we believe than what you've been taught in school growing up from world history. There's more evidence, Mm. okay? Evidence, the evidence that demands a verdict was the book that Josh McDowell yeah. wrote years ago. So that's the primary reason. The secondary reason is that it removes barriers that lost people have towards placing their faith in Jesus Christ. So I had a professor in seminary, Dr. Gary Habermas. He's the world-renowned expert on the resurrection. Um, nobody's debated him in over 20 years because he's never lost a debate, and he's debated at Oxford and Yale and all these amazing places. <laughs> And um, you so know, everybody just tapped yeah, out. They didn't want yeah, to say yeah, we're not debating. <laughs> right, yeah. We're done. A- well, atheists don't want anything to do with them. Well, yeah. so and Dr. Habermas mm-hmm. has said you would think after one of these debates that I've won that it would be a bunch of people on the campuses of Harvard or Yale or Oxford who are ready now to give their life to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. He said that's not what happens. He goes, what happens is the step is taken to where well maybe at least that's now something I could consider. And that's a big step for a lot of people. Right. So when you kind of show them, like, look, you're not checking your brain at the door. Christianity right. is not a faith where intellectualism is not a part of our mm-hmm. faith. It, right. It's actually a huge part of our faith. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that part of what's happened over the years is a little bit of, you know, kids' Bibles um, projecting mm-hmm. onto culture that Christians aren't exactly very bright people. That's just not the case at all. So the evidence is is a huge thing that helps us. I don't see that— um, fighting or combating faith, I see that as supporting faith. And um, I mean, we even have a book right now in our home that we read with our boys called The Case for Christ for Kids. So Lee Strobel wrote that book, The Case for Faith, years ago. Dr. Habermas actually has a chapter in that book, and that's now been re-released for kids. Mm. So I want my kids from an early age to know, hey, what we're telling you to place your faith in you know, there's more out there than just mom and dad said so. Mm-hmm. There's right. some good right. evidence to what we have placed our life on. So, yeah, I think it's a huge service to the kingdom. And thankfully now with social media and YouTube, it's one of the benefits of those things. Yeah. I mean, this, I would encourage you, like, to let us send you that YouTube video, even so you can subscribe to that channel. Because, yeah. Matt, when you were talking about, are there other stories? Yeah. There are. Yeah. And there's these guys do these videos of all these different places that show what we read in our Bible actually happened <clears throat> yeah. historically. There's historical <clears throat> evidence for it. That's really good. And I, and I love what you said there about this whole idea of like Christianity not being a faith where you check your brain at the door. And I think so many times in our culture, like that's what gets projected. And and that's, you know, what kind of what folks think. So I yeah. love this idea of, you know, people being able to give it a chance. That's so good. So, you know, I, I love this story. You know, we talked about Rahab yesterday, Jericho, Rahab. And I love how we talked about God's patience. But in Second Peter 3, 9, it says that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. So what would you say to someone who feels like they've been waiting on the Lord for a really long time for an answer or solution to a situation that they're facing. Yeah, there's two things happening there. I mean, one, 
we all go through seasons where we've asked something from God and we are waiting on him to move on our behalf. Yeah. And I think that's just a normative part of the of the walk with the Lord. Part of that, maybe God just tells you no. You know, I think that's a very right. underutilized part of our theology. Sometimes God says no. Right. You know, right, I right. ask God for something and he says no. And right. in his infinite wisdom and sovereignty, he knows that's not what's best mm-hmm. and I'm going to have to trust him. So that might be what's happening. But if God has made a promise from Scripture, now there's a difference. Not this is what I'm asking God for. Now let's go to God's Word. God has made a promise from His Word. Well, you can take that to the bank every time. Hmm. God will always deliver on His promises. What we sometimes do, Chad, is we ask something of God, and we kind of make that synonymous with a promise from His Word. Well, I'm going to count on God because God always stands on His promises. Yeah, but what you're asking him from—you may be asking for something that's fine. It's not unbiblical, but it's not a promise from God. There's not a promise in God that says you're supposed to get married. It's just not there. Somebody's saying, I was like, I'm just asking God to bring me my spouse. He's made his promises. I can take God's promises. There's no promise in the Bible that says you're going to get married. Mm -hmm. It's just not there, okay? So sometimes what we do is there's no promise that says you're going to have kids. There's no promise that says you're going to get that career. There's no promise that says you're going to live till 80, okay? (laughs) So sometimes the things we ask for, and it's perfectly good to ask God for those things— That's different than a promise from God's Word. So if you find a promise from God's Word, you can stand on that promise. God may not deliver on that promise and the timeline you think he should, but he will always be faithful, and here's the key, to his promises. Mm -hmm. Not what we've asked of him, but to his promises. Sure. So sometimes when it seems like, you know, that it's not happening, it's because of our own expectations or misunderstanding. Yeah, Yeah, so ask God. I mean, ask him for anything. That's a a big principle of prayer. You can ask God for anything, talk to him about anything, but understand like he might redirect. Yeah. He, he might say no. He might say slow. He might say you need to grow or, you right. know, he might. So there's a lot of different ways that our prayer life can go. And ultimately we are praying not so much for God to do what we're asking him to do. But when we pray, what happens is our heart becomes more aligned with what God is already up to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we begin to see more clearly what God is already doing. And sometimes just the very act of praying begins to shift our heart, right. begins to shift yeah. our expectations. I mean, there's prayers I prayed 20 years ago. That I'm super glad God didn't answer. <laughs> right. You know, right. I didn't see it then, but right. I certainly see it now. Yeah. You know, yeah. So it, it's kind of like that and that whole relationship with the Lord. But just because you name it and claim it right. yeah. doesn't mean it's going to happen. Well, yeah. And, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about like my daughter, my youngest Ava, like she's asked for years for a cat. There is no chance we're getting a cat, but it's kind of the equivalent, <laughs> prayers, yeah, man. It's the equivalent of me going no. And then her going either, well, dad doesn't love me or he doesn't exist or, you know, whatever it is. So that's, that's kind of what I, I and, hear you and saying. And she'll probably have a cat at some point in her life. Sure. Right. So there's, I mean, but just not <laughs> just when not she's living. Not, not not right. Yeah, that's right. That's so right. again, you just be reminded, God sees all of the moments of our life simultaneously. <laughs> right. So, you know, we're approaching this from a very limited understanding. Yeah, that's really but good. The, the point of the question is the promises of God, you know, from his word. Right. You know, the biggest promise from God's word is his presence. That's a promise we have to come back to over and over is the mm. promise of God's presence. He's always with us, even if you don't feel like he's with you, even if you feel like he's abandoned you, even if you feel like he's not coming through for you, even if you feel like he's ignoring your prayers. All of the feelings can't ever counter that promise. Yeah. You can tell me all those feelings all day long. Let me tell you what's, what the truth is. God's with you. So if you can bank on that promise, it gives you confidence to talk to him. God, I didn't feel like you're near, but I know you're near, so I'm going to talk to you anyway. Hmm. So knowing the promises of God really have some very practical implications to our life. That's really good. Man, that is really good. Um, so your first takeaway was to not assume that someone is too entrenched in sin to uh, for them to be rescued from it. So 
you know, I'm thinking of a couple of people, it, you know, that might be walking through a, a season where they're reaching out to a friend and they're walking them through it. They're telling them about it. Uh, tell, they, they, they're telling them about them all the time. They're praying for them. And they just don't feel like it's doing anything. Um, there's no difference in the life in their life. So what would you say to those people that are walking through that? How would you encourage them through that? Yeah, so the point's a little misleading, um, <clears throat> which is why I like this podcast so we can talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Because the truth of the matter is we are all too entrenched in our sin to be mm. rescued from our sin. Oh, there we go. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. So there's nothing that any of us could do to rescue ourselves from our sin. Yeah. We were all too entrenched in our sin. That's good. That's yeah. why Jesus came. Yeah. So some of us are better sinners than others, okay? <laughs> so some of us sin a lot more noticeably than others. Some of us wear sin like a badge of honor, right? Right. So for some people, being entrenched in their sin is a little bit more noticeable yeah, right. to the person who maybe their personality is not as big. Maybe they're, yeah. they're you know, wired a little differently. Maybe they're actually a pretty decent moral person. So their being entrenched in sin looks like doing a lot of good stuff. Yeah. They can earn their way to heaven, yeah. right? So we were all too entrenched in our sin mm. to be rescued from our sin. So the moment that we begin to actually even think that way, we have failed to recognize That's what so we good. experienced at salvation, mm. which so was good, being man. rescued from our sin as sinners. Our identity was literally tied to sin, mm -hmm. a sin nature. There was nothing we could do about that. So Jesus had to do this for us. So if Jesus did that for me, and if mm -hmm. Jesus did that for y'all, Jesus can do that for anybody. Mm -hmm. The moment I think that's not going to happen, I'm actually saying a lot more about Jesus than I'm saying about that person. Mm -hmm. So it's one of the enemy strategies in our lives is to begin yeah. to make us think that way. Now, mm -hmm. what's just happened? We've created a class system of Christians. <laughs> yeah. Instead yeah. of leveling the playing yeah. field and right. saying we actually all started from the same place, which yeah. was being too entrenched in our sin. So yeah, if you've got somebody in your life and, you know, they're better at sinning than you are and they're less <laughs> embarrassed by their sin than you are and they don't try to hide it, that's okay. Yeah. You be Jesus to them. Yeah. Like you be a light to them. You be a friend to them. Like you, you, and, and pray for them because yeah. Jesus gets a hold of them. Guess what? He might change them the same way he changed you because mm -hmm. right. without yeah. Jesus, we'd probably all be the same way. Now, some of us, again, sin, you're either rebellious or you're religious. Mm. So we tend to think of sin as rebellion, mm -hmm. that the, some of us sin better than others. But it can also be the uber-religious. Mm -hmm. Like, I just do a lot of good stuff. Yeah. And, and that is just as sinful as the, you know, that's the prodigal son and the older brother. The older yeah. brother is just as off in the story as the prodigal, you see what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah, we're all too entrenched in our sin to do anything yeah. about it, which is why Jesus had to come. God, mm -hmm. that's really good. Yeah. I really like that a lot. So shifting gears a little bit, Joshua chapter 3, it talks about the waters of the Jordan River literally stopping and being piled up in a heap so that the Israelites could cross. Like, literally? Like, can we unpack what's happening here? Like, that really happened? What did that look like? They walked across dry land. Yeah. So, uh, I mean... You, I wish we'd had a camera crew there that day. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, right? that would have been pretty cool. Talk about evidence. Yeah. So, what's happening there? I mean, a lot of real practical things. There's a big river. We got to cross it. How are we going to do that? Right. And God says, I got you. And it's not a little stream. Like, this is a no, big no, no, no. river. Yeah, huge river yeah. at flood stage. So again, if we wanted to, you know, unpack this chronologically, we won't because that's not really the point of this. But if you look chronologically in the redemptive history that God has been executing, for lack of a better word, through all of human history, at what point are we at in that redemptive history? We're at a point in that redemptive history where Yahweh God is asserting himself as the one true God. This is something even his own people struggled with. I mean, they're building cows out of gold for Pete's right, sake, right? right, right After right. he yeah. parted the Red Sea. And we right. look at it like, how on earth could they do that? Well, the culture at the time was a very um, idol-driven, many-type-of-God uh, uh, system, culture. 
God is having to assert himself as the only true God, which is why Rahab's declaration is so profound. Right. She literally says, we know that you're the God of heaven and earth, the one true God. She gets it right. Well, even some of the Hebrew people weren't even getting that right. So how do you assert yourself as the one true God? Well, you do things that only the one true God can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we see this over and over in the Old Testament, right? It's like, you know, where Elijah's making fun of these guys. And he's right. like, you know, maybe your gods are going to the bathroom, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. which is an awesome verse like, in the Bible. One of the Bible. best stories. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what's happening in the Old Testament <laughs> is God's continuing to just prove his glory, his right. name, his fame. There's none like him. It's the most gracious thing he could do. I mean, if God doesn't do that— over human history, maybe some other deity, false deity, begins to take on, you know, more popularity, and it's not as easy to discern. The temple is a part of this. Right. There's a purpose to the temple. It's all part of God's redemptive history of showing himself to be who he is. And this whole idea of Yahweh, you know, Moses says, what is your name? And he says, I am. Mm-hmm. Well, don't underestimate the significance of John's I am statements of Jesus, that when Jesus was saying I am, he was referencing the same Old Testament word. Yeah. So the I am that I am is the word Jesus is saying I am before right. he talks about the resurrection. Life. Jesus wasn't trying to hide the fact that he was the same as God, which right. is why they put yeah. him on a cross. Right. You know? So there's this whole redemptive history. We got to establish who God is. And so now when he sends his son and Jesus says, I am who that same God was and is and is to come. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no mystery to this. God has been trying to roll out his redemptive history. And the benefit we have, can you imagine having been alive at any other time? Hmm. We have the completed story. There's so many people who we're going to be in heaven with for all of eternity that while they were here on this earth, they didn't have the completed story. Mm. And these are people who we look at. I mean, King David didn't have the completed story. Moses didn't have the Joshua. (laughs) You know more about God than Joshua did. I mean, you know more about God's completed redemption. You know, I've never talked to God. Now, I bet you have. You just don't talk to God the same way Joshua did. If you talk to God the way we talk about talking to God, Jesus is the one who made that possible so that everybody could talk to God once they've experienced salvation. So there's a lot happening there, and it's probably a much longer answer than you're looking for. But yeah, parting, that's just one more step, God showing himself. And we're going to talk about another big step this upcoming week Mm -hmm. in the story of Joshua. Man, that's, that's, that's really good, man. Um. So you had three C's yesterday that we should do when uh, God moves in our, our life in a big way. Um, you said commemorate, consecrate, and celebrate. Now, I understand celebrate, but what about the other two? How do we practically lift those out? Yeah, commemorate. Think of that as being synonymous with remember. Okay. Um, and it's so easy to forget how many times God's come through for us in the past. Right. And sometimes Morgan and I will have this conversation, you know, we'll, we'll be stressed about something or whatever, and mm-hmm. we'll just have to remind each other, like, hey, how many times has God come through right. for us? You right. know? Yeah. So, and we've commemorated those things mm-hmm. over the years. We've offered up prayers of Thanksgiving. We can even have certain dates that mm-hmm. we circle on the calendar. Yeah. Hey, this is when, so you just do that. Make yeah. that a yeah. habit of, um, you know, making a big deal about when God answers something you've prayed for, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the consecrate, you know, the, the New Testament way of explaining consecration is holiness. It means to be mm-hmm. set apart. It means that there's something about our lives that should be different. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're the salt of the earth, salt is a preservative. Like there, there's something about us that's different. If we're the light, Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Mm-hmm. There's something about our lives that's different. Well, what is that? Well, it, it's it's a consecration. So I recently read something I thought was super helpful in understanding this that we sometimes talk about sanctification. We're using some big words today, man. (laughs) Big words. Sanctification (laughs) is the process of becoming more like Jesus. It's the process of growing in our faith. It's the Mm -hmm. process of holiness. And this author I was reading said, you know, really 
the Holy Spirit is the one that's actually bringing about the sanctification. Mm-hmm. And, I, and he said, you know, justification that happens at our point of salvation yeah. through Jesus yeah. and Jesus alone, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit is the one that's actually producing the fruit of the Spirit, yeah. the growth. Mm-hmm. Our response to that process is consecration. Mm-hmm. And I like the way that author said that, that if the Holy Spirit is helping me bring about sanctification and spiritual growth, my response is humility. My yeah. response is holiness. My response is to rid my life of sin through the power of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. that this is active, ongoing <clears throat> process. So for the Christ follower who's not engaged in that process, what I would tell you is that you're actually counter to what the New Testament would present as a Christ follower. Mm-hmm that sometimes we see that process as, oh, that's only for some Christians. Not every, you know, th- so not everybody's a disciple. Not everybody. No, spiritual growth yeah. is presented as normative in yeah. the New Testament. So if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, this is actually what your life should look like. Right. It shouldn't be something that you just don't really pay any attention to. Mm-hmm. It actually should be something you're actively engaged in right. because that's what it means to be growing in your faith as a Christ follower. You know, it's funny you bring up the whole thing about the fruit of the Spirit there. In the in the series that we're in in Sunday morning right now with our students, that's what we're talking about. It's this whole idea of walking step in step with the Spirit. And, uh, you know, we talked about the fruits of the Spirit this past week. And I said, you know, do you guys see that in your lives at all times? And their students are like, well, no, of course not. Well, of course, you have to tap into that Holy Spirit right. power, and it's the Holy Spirit who actually changes you. So, it's a process. Yeah. So you should be able to look back five years ago, but man, I, you know, I've come a long way. That's evidence of maybe some growth in your life, yeah. which is a good thing. Yeah. So uh, I get that God was kind of uh, checking the obedience of the Israelites with the whole marching around the city thing. I guess my question is this. If God was wanting to do something so big and, and show up and flex, why would he make them go through this whole rigmarole of that? Like, would he have not given them the city? Would his plan have not been carried out had they not done that? Well, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so let's talk about, like, you know, the what's what's going on there. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, God didn't ask anything of them before he parted the Red Sea. He didn't ask anything of them before he parted the Jordan River. Now, you could make the argument, well, he gave them some pretty specific instructions with the crossing of the Jordan River. Sure. And so, yeah, I mean, that's doing something, but it's not doing this. Right, right, He's right. not marching around a city for a week, for Pete's <laughs> sake, okay? So, again, let's go back to God's redemptive history. As God is moving through his redemptive history, they are now entering the promised land. The way that God has them enter into the promised land is actually setting a template that he's going to want them to follow once they remain in the promised land. Okay. Okay, so here's step one, obey. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you to do something. They ain't going to make a lot of sense. Will you obey? You ever read through the Old Testament laws? <laughs> There's some of them don't make a whole lot of sense. Right, right, and God right. says, I got these laws, and I'm asking you to obey. Yeah. Are you just going to obey the ones that make sense, or are you going to obey? So obedience is at the heart of God. Will you obey? Okay, so that that's primary. Like God's trying to set this up. Now, what's the second thing he, he talks, told him to do? And we're not going to do a message on this in the series, so we'll talk about it here for a minute. He said, everything in Jericho, you've got to leave it. Yeah. Burn the city to the ground. Don't take anything for yourself. And we can tell from these archaeological digs, like this was a pretty thriving place. Mm-hmm. Like there was a lot of stuff that could have been taken mm-hmm. and could have really, they could have used it. And God says, no. Well, when you keep reading, there was one dude that didn't follow that rule. His name's Achan. Mm-hmm. And so Achan decided to bury some of this stuff under his tent. Everybody else did what they were supposed to. There's always that one guy, <laughs> right. and he doesn't do it. Aiken's so what happens yeah. then is the very next town is this little town called Ai. Sometimes it's pronounced I, or sometimes it's pronounced Ai. It's literally spelled Ai, so right. we'll just call it Ai, okay? Right. Whoa. And it's not <laughs> as big as Jericho. It's this tiny little podunk backwoods little town. Right. They don't even send the entire army, and they get whipped. 
So they come back and Joshua goes before God and he's like, hey, God, what's up? Like, again, if people find out this about you and your people, your name's going to be the one that suffers. And God says, Joshua, get off the ground. Quit praying. You got sin in your camp is my, you know, summary of what God says. You've got someone among you who didn't do what I asked you to do, okay? Mm -hmm. So do you think obedience matters to God? Well, Achan and his entire family and his stinking cattle, it's like the cows didn't do anything wrong. They all get killed. All of them, the whole family. God is trying to make a point. Obedience matters. Now, what happens? For the rest of Joshua, every time that they take over a town or a village or a region, they get to keep everything. So what's God trying to do? He's trying to establish the principle of first fruits. God's trying to say, like, when I give you something, you are going to return to me the best. What's the first fruit of the promised land? It's Jericho. Yeah. So as we read through the rest of the Old Testament, now all of a sudden we get teaching on tithing. We get all these different things. So the pattern that God brought them into the promised land is the pattern he's now going to ask them to live by. And he's going to give them some very tangible examples to refer back to for their history. This is helpful when you're passing down these stories from one generation to the next. So there's a purpose behind every little thing and how God's doing it as he brings them into the promised land. That's really good. we, We need to make a bumper sticker, hashtag don't be aching. Yeah, My goodness be gracious. Aching. Don't, yeah, don't bring guy. sin in the camp, man. My goodness. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, speaking of disobedience um, on that topic, I love the idea that you had delayed obedience is still disobedience. Yeah. Um, so how do we know? Uh, because there are some things that God asks us to do now, and then there are some things we're just not ready for. So how do we know uh, the difference between those two? How do we know that that's not we're not delaying something we should do now. Yeah, I mean, I would take you back to God's Word. If there's a clear command from God's Word, you're being called to obey it. Mm-hmm. So let me tell you the, the command that most Christians have the hardest time obeying, mm-hmm. forgive. It's the thing that most Christians struggle with. So if there's yeah. somebody right now in your life that you are holding bitterness towards or a lack of forgiveness towards or a grudge against, here's what God's telling you to do. Forgive them. Yeah. And here's when you need to do it right now. <laughs> so delayed obedience. Yeah. But you don't understand. Don't have to understand. Like God <laughs> said, you're supposed okay. to yep. obey. Well, maybe in my set of circumstances, none of that matters. Yeah. Right. The basis for your forgiveness, Colossians 3, is the forgiveness that you've experienced in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. It literally has nothing to do with that person or what they did to you. Right. Now, we can talk about that at a separate time. But until you forgive that person, you're letting them live rent-free in your head. Right. right. You're letting that person actually have control of your life. Mm-hmm. So if God's word is clearly giving us a command and we are not obeying it, we're being disobedient. Now, there are other things in our lives that we seek wisdom on, Mm -hmm. which I think gets to the heart of maybe what you're asking. Like, I think God wants me to do this. I think God wants me to start a new business. I think God wants me to marry that person. I think Mm -hmm. God wants me to do this and God wants me to do that. Well, I wouldn't say delayed obedience is disobedience. It's like, it's the first date, brother. You might not want to ask her to marry you, okay? So you might want to take some time there, right? That's right. So Slow that's down. the kind of thing where you need to bring in God's people. and Because yeah. there's not a verse in the Bible that tells you when you're supposed to marry somebody. Right. But there are verses in the Bible that give us clear commands on other things. So I would make a little bit of a distinction there. So yeah. we talked about this in a past series. It might have been in the Colossians series where we talked about we have these shared convictions, mm-hmm. but then we also have kind of like... Um, preferences that the Holy Spirit leads us to yeah, with different yeah, yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. remember all the wording yeah. on that, but yeah, if you're if you're in kind of the gray ambiguity part of life that Scripture doesn't speak specifically to, mm-hmm. find parts of Scripture that can guide you. Find God's people that can help guide you. Listen to wisdom, 
because the timing of that could be the make or break. Mm -hmm. And there have been more than one super ambitious Christians who have had a word from the Lord and have moved forward and it just went really, really bad. Okay. (laughs) And they may have in that moment said, well, delayed obedience is disobedience. I'm just being obedient what God's called me to. Right. Be careful about that. We're talking about what God has called us to in his word, not what God told you to do in a quiet time. Those may be two different things. Right. And sometimes we actually need some people to help us discern the difference. Yeah. This is why we talk about relationships and groups and other Christ followers. And, you know, I've got men in my life who I just run things past, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. and hopefully you have some people in your life. You can just run some things past because, yeah. you know, we can certain, I mean, we, I've, I mean, I keep here all day with the mistakes I've made over the years. I really felt like the Lord was telling me to do this and I didn't run it past somebody mm-hmm. and it backfired. So right. I'm a big believer in this principle, not because I see it from God's word, but because I've seen its mm-hmm. importance in my life. Right. When I've done it, it's gone well. When I haven't, it hasn't mm-hmm. gone well. Right. And kind of the way you wrapped up your message this past Sunday, we talked about baptism. You know, we kind of circled back around to that, this whole idea that, you know, baptism, you get saved and you get baptized again. It doesn't save you. It just represents, you know, that you are. And so I would say, what would you say to someone right now that maybe wasn't here or has been struggling with this idea? Maybe God's put it on their heart to get baptized. What would you say to that person and how would they make that happen? One of the greatest principles in your spiritual growth that you need to write down you need to memorize, and you need to let guide your walk with the Lord is that obedience leads to understanding. We have it the other way around. We think that once we understand something, then we will obey it. Mm -hmm. In God's economy, understanding comes second, not first. God God never asked them to understand why they were supposed to march around Jericho, but I bet they understood afterwards. (laughs) Like, oh, that was cool. After you blew that horn, did you see what happened, Bob? Like the whole wall stood down. I don't know their Hebrew name, Bob, but like the point is (laughs) they obeyed first, then they understood. Okay, I'll take you to Joseph. Joseph in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, one of my favorite, you know, 13 chapters in the book of Genesis devoted to one story. Yeah. Think God's trying to tell us something. Right. So, you know, Joseph is faithful and he obeys and he does all these things. And then he looks at his brothers and he says, hey, man, what you intended for evil, God used it for good. Mm-hmm. That's not a verse in the Bible. It's not. It's a verse in the Bible when Joseph said it. Right, it's right. nowhere previous. <laughs> right. There's no evidence that this is this is how God works. When people mean things for bad, he uses it for good. Why did Joseph reach that level of understanding? He'd been obedient. Like when you are obedient, you actually begin, and this is what's remarkable, God's ways are not our ways. But when you obey, you get to tune into God's ways. You start to actually see some things that God is up to. Okay, so let's talk about baptism. Sure. Someone says... <clears throat> It doesn't have anything to do with my salvation. It doesn't have anything to do with when I go to heaven. What's the point? What are you trying to gain there? Understanding. And you're trying to gain understanding before you've been willing to obey. So if you will obey, obedience is the first step of baptism. The first step of obedience after salvation is baptism. I'm going to get baptized. I don't understand why I should get baptized. It doesn't make any sense to me why I should get baptized. I think this is weird. I don't want to go underwater in front of a bunch of people. Right. That's super embarrassing. I don't, all these reasons. Right. Do you think you're the only person who's never not wanted to go underwater in front of a bunch of people? No. That's everybody's barrier to getting baptized. Right. Okay, right. Right. But you still push through that, and you push through that fear, and you obey. And on the other side of that obedience comes understanding. I've baptized thousands of people in my life. I've never baptized somebody who afterwards went, can't believe I did that. 
Yeah. I, but I've baptized a bunch of people who have said, I can't believe I put that off so long. Mm. What's happening there? They have an understanding on the other side of obedience. I could keep you here all day, Chad and Matt, but I won't. But let me give you one more example. Sure. Tithing. So I'm saying, That's stupid. Why on earth would you ever return 10? And it is returning. You're not giving it. God right. says it's mine. Right. And if you don't return 10%, you're a thief. You don't right. like that? Take it up with the Lord. He said it, not me. Okay. Right. So you're returning 10% of your income to God. Someone says, that's crazy. Well, of course it's crazy. I agree. It's crazy. How is 90% better than 100%? Doesn't make any sense. I don't understand. Until you obey. Mm-hmm. And once you obey, on the other side of that obedience comes understanding. And you go, oh. Wow, I yeah. should have started that years ago. Right. The Bible is full of this principle. So when you approach God's word, if you lay upon God's word the expectation of understanding, you're going to miss out on what it means to actively grow in your faith. If you will just remove that expectation and say, if God says do it, forgive that person. Mm-hmm. God says do it, get baptized. God says do it, start tithing. I'm going to do it. That's good mm-hmm. enough for me. I'm going to obey. I'll trust on the other side, God will be faithful to bring about the understanding. So many Christians miss out on some incredible spiritual growth because they get those out of order. Right. They think that they will obey once they understand. Now you got to obey first. And once you do that, you'll begin to see things from God's perspective. That's really good. Well, I mean, what an incredible conversation. I love this whole idea of like obedience first and understanding later. And I think, I think you're right. I think so many of us miss out on that and get that in the wrong order. So if someone's interested in being baptized, maybe they weren't here this past Sunday, but like wants to do that, what's the best way uh, to make that happen for them? Yeah, just email one of us. I yeah. mean, it's on the connection card every single week. Sure. So you can always mark that. You can email one of us. Maybe you want to talk about it. Maybe you have a conversation about it. You yeah. know, we have a class called Kid Faith that we require kids to go through with a parent before we baptize them. We're going to be putting that next one on the calendar here pretty soon. We'll be really loud about communicating yeah. that. You may have a child that's asking a lot of questions. It's a good thing to attend with your child so that we don't ever, we don't want to be a church that has the testimony that a bunch of kids were forced into baptism and a decade later right. realized they yeah. didn't know what they were doing. <clears throat> right. So with kids, you know, we kind of take our time, make sure it's their decision, not parents making that decision for them. Um, so we'll have a, a class coming up for that pretty soon. But yeah, if you're an adult and for whatever reason, you never got baptized, you're, you're not alone. I mean, that that's a pretty right. common yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. okay, and we'd love to celebrate your baptism with you. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So you can email chad.boke at vaughnforce.com, matt.collins at vaughnforce.com, adam.bishop at vaughnforce.com. We'll be happy to follow up with you on that. So you, you gave us a little teaser at the end of the sermon this past week. What's what's coming up this week? What are we yeah, looking at? Yeah, one of the weirdest stories in the entire Bible. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, I— And if I, that doesn't get you here, I don't know uh, what we're yeah. yeah, Go I ahead, mean, sorry. Joshua literally— and I, I can identify with this a little bit. So, you know, living on six acres of land, there are some nights I'm out there in that zero turn mower trying to get the grass mowed and the sun's going down. And I'm like, Lord, I just need about another 30 minutes to get this grass <laughs> mowed. You know? If I could call out upon the Lord and say, hey, could you make the sun stand still so I could mow my grass? Yeah. Well, it's kind of the same idea, but a little different. Joshua's fighting a battle and um, they need a little bit more time to win this battle. And Joshua asked God to make the sun stand still. And God does it. Wow. So I've already given away the the, the, the punchline, you know, sure, to the message. Sure, sure. But there's a lot of things in this story, believe it or not, that apply to us today. Okay. So we're actually going to talk about how a really super bizarre story that you would think, well, that's a pretty unique thing. It is. It didn't happen again. It's not like that right. became a normative practice <laughs> right, 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 that was right, handed right. down from one generation right. to the next. It's a one-time thing in the Bible. This is David slinging the slingshot and hitting Goliath. It right. didn't happen again, right? right? Yeah. So the sun stood still. Okay, well, what, what does that matter? Why does that matter? What does that mean? There's a lot. There's yeah. a lot of implications to that. 
That's obviously what we're going to focus on in the message. I think people are going to leave this Sunday with a renewed sense of urgency in their <clears throat> prayer life. Mm. Okay. And that's yeah. really the goal of what I'm going for in this in this particular message. That um, man, I don't think a lot of us have stopped recently to consider what level of faith does our prayer life reflect? Okay. And for most of us, our prayer life is a little bit more just same song, second verse. Yeah. And I'm going to really challenge some folks when it comes to prayer. And I think that this story, I think that's what it's doing. And so um, I'm really looking forward to sharing the message and hopefully sharing some things that will kind of revitalize maybe um, yeah. some prayer lives <clears throat> for some folks. Because we all go through that. Sure. We all go through lulls in our prayer life. We have to be reminded of the power of prayer. So mm-hmm. that's hopefully what we're going to go for this week. And that'll be at 930 and 11 a.m. this Sunday morning here on campus. If for some reason you're traveling, sick, you can always join us online at VaughnForest.com, our YouTube channel, and our Facebook page. Well, gentlemen, I've really enjoyed this, and I'm really enjoying this series. I, I love looking at kind of these larger-than-life characters like Joshua from the Old oh, Testament, man. and I'm looking forward to continuing that this Sunday And what our pastor has described as one of the weirdest stories in the Bible. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it, it should be good. So, again, thank you for joining us. Again, the one-year anniversary of the Other Six Podcast. And uh, many, oh, many, no many more to come. Sorry, we're out of poppers. We, we used all. all of them. Yeah. On behalf of Adam Bishop, Matt Collins, Sound Guy Jonathan, myself, we appreciate you tuning in, and we will catch you next time.